Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to our podcast from Clover Park Technical College's Teaching and Learning Center. Simon Says Educate. I'm Jeff Kane, and today I have the pleasure of bringing to you Brett Christie. So I've known Brett Christie since he worked at Sonoma State University and at the Chancellor's Office. I was particularly impressed with the Universal Design for Learning training that I believe you rolled out throughout the state. And cool. um, and now you're up here in Washington. So Brett Christie and I will be talking a little bit about some of the work he's been doing in AI. But before that, Brett, if you can tell us a little bit about your background in education and how in the world you wound up in, uh, in Washington State. Sure. Yeah, as far as my background in education, there's there's a lot to tell there, I guess. You know, first of all, I'm a first-generation college student. always like to mention that. Came through community college after a few years. Took a while there, a few more years for my undergraduate. And eventually, I just became very interested in the science of teaching and learning. And that was actually my undergraduate degree focus going into teacher education, but then continued on in graduate education and completed my doctorate in curriculum and instruction. And ever since then, that's been my discipline background, that is education, but also that's been my profession is just really helping other educators. So I became a director of faculty development early on about 20 years ago, and also led federal projects that were based in faculty development, instructional technology. You mentioned universal design for learning. That's probably been my number one career passion because my bottom line is enabling the greatest number and diversity of students to succeed. That's it. That's what it's all about. And that's what I loved about the Cal State system, creating opportunities, the students, types of students that it served. So that that was my career for 25 years in the Cal State system. Wow. Decided to retire from that um, in 2019. And then in 2020, I picked up my current role that I'm in with Alchemy, um, which is an educational technology firm. It's been around for about 30 years, but it went from being more of a bespoke learning design firm to now more of an ed tech platform-based company. Um, I can talk a little bit more about that as we talk about AI. Um, but my role is VP for Educational Innovation and Inclusivity. And so in that role, I, I really work to inform and steer the direction we go with supporting educators and the ways that they're creating more successful learning experiences for their students. And we've been applying a lot of innovations, especially recently, to how we do that. But I'll kind of pause there on, on my background because that's probably enough there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like your focus on inclusivity. That's been a big challenge in education is uh, opening up access and it's informed a lot of projects 
that we've been involved with at Clover Park, you know, from our mm -hmm. newly formed accessibility committee, which I'm co-chairing. And if you're listening to this at Clover Park, uh, we're still looking for faculty members. So keep that in mind. Also our work in OER and then our new work in artificial intelligence and specifically generative AI. And I'm interested in the possibilities of how this can open up the creation of OER, the customization, if you will, of uh, learning materials to individual students. Examples of that would be if I have a very complex text and I'm teaching adult basic education, I can ask generative AI to rewrite an article or summarize an article at the eighth grade reading level. You know, that those kinds of sorts of things yeah. are of, of interest to us. But why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your current work in AI? You've had a lot of uh, workshops going online uh, for educators. What's been the focus of that work? Yeah, so since, you know, my work with AI, of course, everybody woke up to it in November of 2022 and sort of went into the holiday break and all of that, and then came out of, you know, into, I should say, 2023, thinking, okay, there's this new reality. Uh, what am I going to do, respectively? And, and how does that impact the people around me that I'm working with, whether it be students or colleagues? So what do we, what do, we do collectively to make the most of this new reality? So I did a big uptake of learning um, early last year and into the spring. And then end of spring in May, we started offering a series of webinars through Alchemy. And we offered those where I would either be a co-presenter or a facilitator. And we had many other people who were doing great things, great thought leadership around AI and education. And through these webinars that we've been offering about every three to four weeks, we've now got eight of these. Um, and I can share the link to where we have the recordings and all the resources bundled for folks to access. But We've learned a lot through the way in just staying on top of the developments of AI and then trying to be toward the front edge, if you will, as far as where is this going? What does it mean for teaching? What does it mean for learning? What will it mean for our students during the learning process? What should it mean for them? Because what are they going to face as they go out into this rapidly changing workforce where we hear that 80% of jobs are gonna be significantly changed and many jobs going away entirely? but mostly jobs just significantly changing. So we've been really trying to do that. And then in our core space in educational innovation, we've been trying to say, okay, how can we create some good pathways for educators to use AI? And so we've been creating a lot of templates or we, what we call optimizers, where an instructor can go in and talk a little bit about a goal they might have for a lesson, so a class meeting or an online module, or maybe for an entire course. And we've now got ways where we can step them through and rapidly develop some pretty effective materials in a matter of minutes that they can do a little bit of QA check as the subject mm -hmm. matter expert, and then do any modifications. And then that resource can be produced out for learning experience. So we've been really trying to think, okay, how can we look at AI as something that creates more efficiency for someone because Faculty tend to be very deep subject matter experts with a lot of expertise, very, very smart, absolutely, no doubt. But when it comes to learning science and teaching, there hasn't been a lot of background and preparation for them in general. And that's a generalization I know. That's not every faculty member, but 
across the board in my decades of experience, that's been kind of a weak link for instructors, unfortunately, is not always knowing learning science and the best methods for teaching and, and meeting individual student needs. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing. I started out my work in the K through 12 system down mm -hmm. in California, and there was a big emphasis contractually on teaching teachers how to teach, basically. And and up here in the state of Washington, you're basically, if you're going to teach in the K through 12 system, you have to have a master's in education. And then we have, this is especially true in the in the technical colleges. I'm not you know, spilling any secrets or anything, but mm -hmm. we have some of the some of the great experts in their fields working at our college who know that they need to learn how to make a classroom work, you know, and and some of these tools that we're finding in AI are probably going to be filling in some of those gaps. What's interesting to me too is is here you are, you have 35 years of experience down in California, and you've seen it right? You've been here before. You saw when they, we first started putting classes online, then all the colleges were going to turn into uh, digital diploma mills. And, you know, it was considered to be a, a big paradigm shift that mm -hmm. was going to, you know, end, end college as we knew it. There was the MOOCs, you know, the massively open online courses that was going to reduce college there was only going to be 10 colleges in the united states mm -hmm. running the whole show and then now we have another change with ai and ronald the other instructional designer in the tlc was showing me a video this morning of google gemini and yeah. how that's that's going to be a huge game changer in generative ai so but the point of all of that is what is your approach to change management? Sometimes I feel a little bit of whiplash when I'm kind mm -hmm. of, I'm looking at all of, you know, all of these changes and how quickly change can come. Yeah. How do, how do we help faculty manage change in general? Yeah, that's difficult. And you might say that how, how do you manage leadership change? Because really leadership I think needs to change in some ways as well to to better enable faculty for this new reality. Um, so what can leadership do to understand how AI is changing um, the role of higher education related to the workforce and to the learning experience that takes place on our our campuses? Um, so yeah, change management, but going back to just the faculty level is is then how can you step into the space of AI? Um, and there's different comfort levels and readiness levels. You know, I, I looked at the latest research that came out in October, Inside Higher Ed posted this. 50% um, or more of students are using generative AI, yet only 22% of faculty are using it. So that number is still very low after a year of generative AI being a reality for everyone. But what, what one of the qualitative aspects of that data said was it wasn't really resistance, it was readiness. So how do we really then dig into that factor of readiness and how do we build on-ramps for faculty um, to when they're ready come into generative AI and what are the best first steps for them? How do we get them to not think about it as being this really huge leap that's very technically oriented? When we use terms like prompt engineering, that can be very intimidating and off-putting to people that aren't particularly technical. So if I hear that as a faculty member, who's maybe average or behind the curve related to technology, I'm afraid to go there. I'm not gonna be comfortable. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna look foolish, who knows? 
But if we get faculty to think about generative AI being more of a conversation, and what we've been doing at Alchemy is we've been framing it as AI should be your creative companion. Mm. It's something that can work with you and for you. And, and so how do you learn some techniques simply to communicate effectively with generative AI so that you can get the best results from it so that it works for you? It's not something that you have to struggle with or try and come up to a very high level with. And you're you're not learning any code whatsoever. You're, you're just learning language to be able to communicate effectively and prompt effectively. So I think that's one of the first things as far as change management is, is how do you build those better, smoother, less intimidating on-ramps for faculty. Right, right. Yeah, and it's uh, it's always interesting to me to see how things do move slowly in education. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, for instance, by the time we get a policy written, the policy will have to be revised for the new, for the next generation of AI. And so I'm thinking that we have the students are creating their assignments in AI, the teachers are grading with AI, and then the uh, leadership can use AI to generate the policies that will manage the student use of AI and the faculty use of AI, (laughs) And then pretty soon we just, you and I, we just go to the beach, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the the hopefully the beauty of AI is it's going to change things where maybe we do get some time back. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been digging into the research we've been doing since 2022 on faculty burnout and factors related to faculty burnout and um, workload of faculty and the types of time they spend on course development and. So we're really leaning into that with these optimizers that I alluded to earlier, where yeah. Faculty don't have to learn from step one how to create everything every step of the way. They don't have to learn all the learning science that's behind it. We have that baked into these optimizers. We have all the learning science and techniques baked in. They simply tell us the learning outcome, the context, things like that, and we're able to develop the resource for them pretty quickly. But we want them to know, again, it's in a way that takes learning science into consideration and also the learning outcomes that they need for their students. So that's something that we're trying to do to really leverage AI in a quality way, but also to give time back to faculty. Right. Yeah, that faculty burnout is real. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, especially after COVID, I'm seeing teachers right now that are still walking away from the job, basically, yep. because of all of the stress on themselves and the stress on their students. And in the middle of all of that stress, we have things like I have departments that need to revise an entire curriculum. Mm-hmm. And that is such a daunting task right now because you have faculty who are managing their own trauma and this trauma of their students over what's been happening over the last few years. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and, and trying to come out of what was a very trying experience and then now to try and manage through newer realities of how we work and how we teach and how students learn and what the modalities are and the working conditions and budgets and constraints and and, uh, consolidations of departments and schools and things like that. Now here comes AI. And so I've been calling it for the last nine months or so, the double disruption, because you you think you're about to start taking a breath and here comes AI. 
at yeah. a very rapid pace. It's very disruptive. And I, when I say the term disruptive, I don't entirely mean that negative um, disruption sure. as well. I think the pandemic was awful, but some good came out of it as far as change. So an impetus for change and also the with AI that's doing it as well. There's impetus for change for us. Right. Yeah, I some some of the conversations that we've been having on campus at Clover Park. I'm thinking of uh, one of our English te teachers, uh, Deanna Ferti. She's been talking a lot about how the application of AI to her English course isn't taking advantage of some sort of cog you know offloading cognitive skills from the students onto the AI. Mm -hmm. But in order to get the AI to actually work, it requires the students to apply critical thinking skills to how they engage with the tools to solve the problems around English composition. And that's been kind of interesting to me because I, I saw a lot of it framed as we're going to have computer store thinking for us and we're just going to get weaker at these skills and you know, maybe it's just, it's different skills, right? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I'm thinking of Bloom's taxonomy and just how everybody was thinking, okay, we need to all of a sudden make everything at the top, the highest level creation. And, you know, yeah. um, chat GPT can do all of the taking of um, standardized tests and things like that better than any human can. Well, guess what? Chat GPT can also do a lot of good creation. So it's really sort of that, parallel or side skill to the, the pyramid is the, the deeper thinking and, and critical thinking and, and creative thinking. And also knowing that chat GPT is going to be part of the fabric of, of working and, and existence. And so how do you get that to be more transparent? How do you get that to be part of the learning process? How do you get students to document that as a tool that they use in the learning process, that they rely on it to help them with brainstorming, to help them refine things. They show evidence of that, but then they show evidence of their own individual creative work as well. So it's the companion again to what they do. And they can do that through Google Docs. They can do that through sharing their chat logs. But I think if people are more transparent about it being part of the process, there's gonna be less of the problem around academic integrity and cheating, um, where people are thinking, well, we need to, eliminate it entirely or as much as possible or control for it or try and detect it, you know, then you're fighting something you just can't beat um, and you yeah. should be trying to eliminate it because again, it's a reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that was an interesting, uh, when this all started coming out, really the last concern I had was cheating, right? Because mm -hmm. we've been through all that before and we went through the whole cycle of, Oh, um, you know, we have the internet now, so students are going to plagiarize. And so uh, we go in with Turnitin and all the policing software and all of that drama. And then also there's, there's you know, sites like Course Hero where people are downloading papers and downloading tests. So all of that situation kind of led us to think about how do you create assignments that bring in, you know, personalize it for the students, ask them to apply their previous experiences and their previous knowledge to a new problem to create new knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the constructivist paradigm, you know, the education theory. 
So I felt like we've had, we had already kind of addressed those problems. And when, so when they started reacting with, we'll get AI to detect AI, you know, we just knew that there was going to be problems with that. There has been. But I think that what we've been doing in here at Clover Park is really focusing on what the learning outcomes are and how students meet those learning outcomes. And the way that they're meeting those outcomes is going to be different based on the tools that they're using. And that's always been the case. And these are just new mm -hmm. tools for students to meet those outcomes. And it's up to educators to ensure that critical thinking is applied, the students understand the ethics behind what they're doing, and that they're able to uh, able to talk about how they went from point A to point B in uh, papers or projects or whatever it might be. Yeah, and and what you've mentioned, you know, about the constructivist method and otherwise, I mean, that's really how you would like things to be, and and that it should be more on the process, not the product. Exactly. Obviously, something needs to stand up to the learning outcome. There's going to be evidence along the way or evidence in products, um, either or. But how AI is kind of getting us back to focusing on what maybe the process is and then how you might use more varied assessments, formative assessments. So, again, this is a disruption that's getting us to kind of lean where we should have been leaning more maybe all along. <laughs> right. So, again, it's, it's that wake-up call. Yeah. And the other thing, Jeff, earlier, you made me think about a couple terms that I've been really excited about um, related to generative AI is, you know, one, I think of zone of proximal development. Mm. Uh, again, with my background in educational foundations and psychological foundations, I've always really keyed in on that is that an instructor shouldn't just teach down the middle or teach one way as if they're teaching one type of student, but they should really be as much as they can, thinking of the zone of proximal development, where that student is and their knowledge or skill, and then how they can help them move to the next level that's most appropriate for them. And generative AI has a great capability. We're gonna see more and more of that developing as we get the multimodal, the Gemini's, et cetera, coming out, where that personalized learning is really gonna become a reality, where for decades we've had adaptive learning, Mm -hmm. Usually adaptive learning's been very linear. Oh, you're not ready to move forward. Let me push you back and let's have let's reiterate. With personalized learning, it's going to be much more customizable to the individual learner. Going to get to learn their levels, but also their needs, how they learn best, give them many different types of experiences. So it's going to be, instead of linear, it's going to be multiple pathways that the learner can take to get to the outcomes. And again, that makes me think of universal, universal design for learning, and that's one of the things I've been excited about with Gen AI is I early on saw how that can support UDL, especially when we get to these multimodal things. So, you know, again, with adaptive learning, it's always been this fixed box of publisher content that the students experiencing that adaptive learning process. And right. now you get to personalize learning where it's going to be a much vaster body of content and experience types that are going to be much more closely mapped to that individual's needs. I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us about AI. I'd appreciate it because uh, your workshops have shown up in our newsletter. And I know we've had a couple of people show up. But tell us a little bit about what's uh, what's next with Alchemy. Yeah, well, in the near future, we're doing another webinar on Wednesday, December 13th. And that's going to be at 9 a.m. Pacific. And 
with the prior webinars, we've kind of advanced, you know, with chat GPT and we've gone forward, you know, to maybe from beginner to intermediate and we've branched out a little bit on different topics. But like I mentioned earlier, we know that there's still only about 22% of faculty using generative AI. So we're kind of going back to providing a beginner's session where hopefully we can get some of those faculty who haven't taken steps into generative AI to start becoming curious about it and knowing that, again, it's something they shouldn't see as too difficult, too threatening. It's something they should converse with and you know have it be that creative companion. So we're going to do a session, myself and Heather Brown from Tidewater Community College, and she also moderates the Educause AI community group, so has a vast knowledge of generative AI and, and is really on top of things. So we're excited about that. Um, further down, um, you know, I mentioned these optimizers that we developed that are very task-oriented for faculty to develop um, teaching and learning resources quickly but effectively. We're actually scaling that to where you can have a course design optimizer. So by putting in foundational information about the course, you can start really developing course elements very quickly whether it be a fully online course or a hybrid course or an on-ground course that's augmented by online content in the learning management system. Our course design optimizer, we're going to start rolling this out as a premium version in early 2024. That'll allow faculty to move very quickly in the course design process. And again, applying a lot of things based on learning science that they can do just through our templates or optimizers. That's what we're looking forward to scaling out in the near future. Okay, great. That sounds really interesting. And uh, we look forward to uh, to seeing that. And maybe you'll come back and talk to us here at Simon Says Educate when you're ready to let people uh, kick the tires. Sounds great. And I can even come on site. You're just about 30 minutes up the road from me. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Great. Yeah. All right. So this is Simon Says Educate. We've been talking to Brett Christie about AI. I'm Jeff Kane from the Teaching and Learning Center. If any of these topics have interested you, please come around to the Teaching and Learning Center at Clover Park or email us, and we'd be interested in talking to you too. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delved into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.